Hey everyone, welcome back to the Everything Jesus podcast. I'm Dr. Billy Birch and this is my wife, Kim. Hi everyone. And we're in episode 48. And I thought for this episode, we would do something unique. We're going to go back to this past Good Friday service from our church. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, so earlier this year, for our Good Friday service, we had a lot of people at church that were still not comfortable coming in person, so we pre-recorded a video um, that we then live-streamed that day. And in that service, you and I did it together, so we thought, why not go ahead and slip that in into the podcast at this point? So that's what we're going to be sharing with you today. Um, So if you can picture... um, as we go through the storyline that we'll, we're going to be presenting in this video, Billy actually had some props that he was sort of demonstrating or drawing our attention to that tie into the Easter story. Mm-hmm. And that was framing what we were talking mm-hmm. about. Yeah, and, and I would show the props and, and they would be meaningful to what the scriptures was, were saying. And then we would go from the scriptures that we were reading about the crucifixion into the prophecies about the crucifixion that we would read in the Old Testament, some of which were written 700 or so years before the crucifixion. And I think that's really valuable information for us. Right. I think for me, that has been one of the most weighty things that has caused me to put my faith and trust in the Bible, in the whole story of Christianity, in the validity of Jesus as the Mm -hmm. Messiah, knowing the prophecies from the Old Testament and seeing how they unfolded in Jesus' life. You know, um, there are different sort of accountings of how you quantify how many prophecies there are in the Bible that Mm -hmm. Jesus has fulfilled. But at the minimum, it's 300. At least 300 hints were given in the Old Testament about what the Messiah would do that Jesus then fulfilled to a T. It's just astonishing. It's astonishing, even mathematically. When you think about the odds of one person being able to fulfill 300 prophecies that were written by different authors at different time periods, hundreds of years before, it's staggering. Mm -hmm. And it really does give us confidence in who Jesus is and the truth of the scripture. Yeah. Yeah. So as you listen to this, you know, we've said before, if you're sort of skeptical about Christianity, we are so glad you're listening Mm -hmm. and just lean in and hear these prophecies as we read them. Again, as Billy said, written long before, and then you'll see how they are fulfilled in Jesus's life. And ask yourself the question, does this deserve my attention? Does this deserve my allegiance even? And, you know, if people would like to watch actually, you know, this whole thing that we did with the props and everything, they can just go to visitccc.com. That's the website of our church and go to, to Good Friday service and they'll be able to see that. But Right. It's under the messages tab. Click messages and you'll find the Good Friday service. Yeah, that's right. So I hope you enjoy this and I hope it's beneficial to you as it was to us. Mm-hmm. Everybody, welcome to our Good Friday celebration. This day is so important. We as believers, this whole week, this whole Passion Week, you know, culminates at Easter, and that's the resurrection. But you don't get to the resurrection until you get through what is called Good Friday. And it's interesting to me that it's called Good Friday. Right, right. It's almost a misnomer that we would call the worst day 
in human history, the most unjust thing that ever happened, the most painful moment in history, we call Good Friday. It's it's almost shocking. Yeah, it's shocking until we realize that the Good Friday was part of God's good mm, plan, right? And it's good for us, right? Because the offer is made to every human being on the planet. It's made to you. Mm-hmm. It's made to me. And this Good Friday had to happen. And it's it's unjust. I mean, the the whole trial was a joke. The whole you know, the whole concept of God ending up on the cross right, right. doesn't even make sense. Right. You when know? you think about the story up to this point, when you think about the Bible story up to this point, you see God doing all these powerful, mighty things. And then you say, how does God end up on the cross? How does God, in the person of Jesus, end up on the cross? It had to be unjust for that. Yeah, happen, for right? sure. And the other thing is that I always find interesting is that it wasn't the Romans that put Jesus on the cross ultimately, okay? And it wasn't the Jewish leaders or whoever was was doing this mock trial or whatever it was. Man, Jesus knew he was going there. He placed himself on the cross. Now, he could have come down off of the cross. Right. He could have sent his legions of angels, like it said, and come down off of the cross. But for you and for me, he stayed on the cross. He died on the cross. He suffered even before he even got to the cross. And this whole suffering servant motif Mm -hmm. in the Old Testament, especially in Isaiah, um, man, it it is good for us to reflect on. And so, today, as we reflect on Good Friday, this beautiful afternoon, we have a couple things. You know, in my office, if you, if you, you've seen my office a hundred <laughs> times and, or, or more, and I have these items mm-hmm. that I have as reminders of what Jesus went through for us. Right. I never want to forget. Uh, I never want to forget what he's done for everybody out there and what he's done for us mm-hmm. and what he's done for everybody in this offer that he suffered for us. So I have these things that I keep on my shelf mm-hmm. that are good reminders for us to really think through this and make it real and say that this is what he went through for us. Right, you know, right, right. It's, it's, it's really awesome. But I think another great thing about this Good Friday and thinking through the cross, thinking through all that he went through, even before he got nailed to the cross, is all the ways in the Old Testament it was predicted. Yes, yeah. I As you read through the Old Testament, there are almost signposts along the way, these signs along the way saying, it's coming and it's going to look like this. Yeah. Jesus is coming, the Messiah is coming, and it'll look like this. There's these signs, like when you drive down the highway and you see a sign that says 30 miles till the exit, 15 miles till the exit, two miles to the exit, here's Mm -hmm. the exit, you know? And that's what we have in Scripture. These signs put periodically so that we would not miss the destination. We wouldn't miss it once Jesus came. That's right. But it also, you know, that that is so true. It's these signs along the way. Is this the Messiah? Is Mm -hmm. this the one that's been predicted? And when we see what he went through and how it was all predicted, it gives us confidence in the Scriptures that everybody can really look at the Scriptures and say with confidence, man, this is the Word of God. Look what it predicted. Predicted 500 to 700 to 900 even years before Jesus even came. And the first prophecy in Genesis chapter 315 was thousands of years. You know what I mean? And so when the scripture lines up with history in a predictive fashion, it gives us a whole lot of confidence in what the scripture is saying. 
Right. It validates and it verifies this is indeed the Messiah. One person in all of human history that fulfilled all these prophecies. And at the crucifixion and resurrection, we have a little more than 20 of those specific prophecies fulfilled just in that moment of time. Yeah, that's right. And even, um, even as we, we look at this, this scripture, um, we see that Jesus even predicted that he was going to, that he was actually going to die on the cross and this is what was going to happen to him. And when Jesus predicted that, um, he's just bringing fulfillment to what the Old Testament is saying. And so what I thought we would do is we would go to the scriptures and we would look at these items that I have on the shelf. There's five different ones that are, that I have on the shelf and we'll take these things and we'll look at the, the prophecy in the Old Testament and then we'll read the fulfillment and that'll give us a really good idea of why Jesus came, what he did. And I really think it'll bring us confidence in scripture, but it's also right because when, when we're told to fix our eyes on Jesus, it is true that even we have to fix our eyes on the suffering and the death because that's what brought us forgiveness. It is that act that brought us forgiveness. And, um, and that's the, that's the beginning of our relationship with God. Right. I mean, and for us to realize our sin problem is so great that it required this sacrifice. Yeah. Jesus would substitute for us in this sacrifice that we're going to see played out here because our sin problem is significant. It's not just, I've messed up a little bit. I, before a holy God, appear very sinful. So that's what's being dealt with here. That's right. And that's what Good Friday is all about, you know. And so let's start with our first, the first item I have on the shelf, and this is the 30 pieces of silver. As we know, that's what was paid to Judas to betray Jesus Mm -hmm. by the chief priest, the 30 30 pieces of silver. So, in the scripture, Mm -hmm. we have a prophecy about that. So, this comes out of Zechariah 11, verses 12 and 13. And I said to them, if you like, give me my wages, whatever I am worth, but only if you want to. So, they counted out for my wages 30 pieces of silver. And the Lord said to me, Throw it to the potter, this magnificent sum at which they valued me. So I took the 30 coins and threw them to the potter in the temple of the Lord. And here's the fulfillment of that scripture as Matthew recounts it. Check this out. Early in the morning, all the chief priests and the elders of the people made their plans how to have Jesus executed. So they bound him, led him away, and handed him over to Pilate, the governor. When Judas, who had betrayed him, saw that Jesus was condemned, he was seized with remorse and returned the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders. I have sinned, he said, for I have betrayed innocent blood. What is that to us? They replied. That's your responsibility. So Judas threw the money into the temple and left. Then he went away and hanged himself. The chief priest picked up the coins and said, It is against the law to put this into the treasury since it is blood money, which means it was money used for murder. So they decided to use the money to buy the potter's field as a burial place for foreigners. That is why it has been called the field of blood to this very day. Think of the detail. 
Amazing. Judas, earlier in the scripture, it shows that Judas made that deal with the priest, and it was 30 pieces of silver. And in what Zechariah was saying, you're, you're looking at this 30 pieces of silver being thrown on the ground in the temple and being ultimately used to buy the potter's field, mm-hmm. you know? And it's all right here. That's the beginning of all of this becoming the suffering week, the week of passion. The, the, we call it Good Friday. It's good for us, but it was a very horrific week for Jesus. Mm-hmm. And that was the beginning. You know, honestly, uh, when, when I think of the betrayal and the 30 pieces of silver, it often makes me think, it often makes me wonder to myself, you know, how I betray Jesus with cheap things. You know, it was only 30 pieces of silver. What? The savior of the world, God, worth 30 pieces of silver? It's ludicrous in our minds. But man, sometimes I make decisions and sometimes I, I don't give credit to God or something like that. And it's, it cheapens it. And I think that's why we need a savior. Yes. Yeah. That's why we needed him to do what he do, he did anyways. Right. You know? We don't always stand up for the Lord. We don't always yeah. stand up for that which is most valuable and most yeah, important. We exchange exactly. it for things that are of such lesser value, just like Judas did yeah. here. Well, let's get to the second one, and that is that is the whip. I want to explain a little something about this. This is, you know, traditionally called a cat of nine tails whip. Okay, and if you get flogged by the by the Sanhedrin or something like that, and you get your forty. Typically, that was the number, 39 or 40 strokes of the, of the flogging, but they were just whips, okay? They were just leather whip like you would, you would see at a cattle ranch or something like that, and they would be struck 39 times, and that would really hurt, and it would put welts on your back. But what they do with these is they put lead weights on here, and they take you know, bone chips and they, they tie bone chips and lead weights on the, on the ends of the whip so that it's not just for pain. It's meant to grab and tear flesh for intense bleeding. Mm. And, um, that's, this is the kind of whip that they used when they, when Pilate sent Jesus away to be whipped. This is what they used. Mm-hmm. Some of the intention to be was was to wear the person out some before they right. even crucified him, right. have right. him lose some blood so that it would expedite the process. But right. so Isaiah fifty three five is a prophecy that speaks about this. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. And right here in Matthew chapter 27, verse 26, it talks about that whole incident where the crowd, you know, wanted to have Barabbas released. You know, they had this tradition where they would release one criminal during this time and they were like, release Barabbas and crucify Jesus, which mind boggling, right? And even that is a picture of the exchange of the unrighteous, convicted Barabbas, convicted criminal and unrighteous man for a righteous man, right at that moment. That's exactly right. And it says in verse 26, then he released Barabbas to them, but he had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. Um, I have to go back to that Isaiah verse because that prophecy does talk about Jesus being whipped and it's fulfilled right here as we know. But when it says that he was suffering and he endured all the pain and all the bleeding and all the suffering for our sins mm-hmm. that we might be healed. Can you read that again? That, mm-hmm. that is just great. 
that he was pierced for our rebellion, yep. crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. Is, if there's anything in prophecy that really all of us should really take hold of is that prophetic word right there that this is what Jesus is going to do. He's going to bring forgiveness for sins and he's going to bring us healing that we might be whole again. And that's offered to everybody. And so, um, as, as we look at this and as we say to ourselves, yeah, he was whipped. There's a reason for that. And the reason was to bring healing, to bring wholeness, to bring salvation, to bring forgiveness. Um, that that's his love for us, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, let's move to the crown. You know, even as I look at this, I you have to pick it up carefully, you have to pick yeah. it up carefully because they're so sharp. And, and, and if you can see the, the size of these crowns, this is a literal, um, crown that they would have used, you know, that they would have made from the, what was in the middle, what grows in the middle East. And these are huge. We don't see thorns like this mm -hmm. around here, but this is exactly what they use to pierce, you know, to put on his head. And that's even more bleeding as if you've ever cut your forehead ever. Mm -hmm. um, it's a lot of bleeding and it hurts really bad. Mm -hmm. And so the prophetic word about this has to do with him being crowned. Right, right. And actually, I'm going to take a step back before even we get to the crown part. There's a tie-in with the thorns, even. Yeah. And it goes all the way back to Genesis 3, verses 17 and 18. And, and if you remember, this is right after man and woman sinned for the first time. It's what we call the fall. And this scripture, um, starting at verse 17, and to the man... This is God speaking to the man. To the man, he said, Since you have listened to your wife and ate from the tree, whose fruit I commanded you not to eat, the ground is cursed because of you. All your life you will struggle to scratch a living from it. It will grow thorns and thistles for you, though you will eat of its grains. Mm -hmm. So the thorn, the very fact that there was a thorny bush that some person could go over, pluck some branches off yeah. of, and make this crown... The thorn is a symbol of the fall. Yeah, that's right. That is exactly right. Okay, so why a crown of thorns? And that's pointing to the fact that this was a king. Yeah. And this is in 2 Samuel 7, 11 through 13. Furthermore, the Lord declares that he will make a house for you, a dynasty of kings. This is being spoken by God to David, who was the king at the time, a great king in the, in the history of Israel, and it's being spoken to him. For when you died... For when you die and are buried with your ancestors, I will raise up one of your descendants, your own offspring, and I will make his kingdom strong. He is the one who will build a house, a temple for my name, and I will secure his royal throne forever. You know, um, I always love the part when, when Pilate asked Jesus, are you the king of the Jews? Um, and, and, you know, in different accounts of the gospels you know sometimes jesus is silent but sometimes you know in another time he said it is as you say mm -hmm. 
Um, and here's what it, it says about the crown of thorns in chapter 27, verse 27. Then the governor's soldiers took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered the whole company of soldiers around him. They stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him and then twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on his head. They put a staff in his right hand. Then they knelt in front of him and mocked him. Hail, King of the Jews, they said. And I always found that very interesting because they were actually saying the correct words. Mm. They were saying, this is the King of the Jews. We need to bow before him and we need to kneel before him. And there's also prophetic scripture that says all of us are going to bow before Jesus right. at some point. So better to get on board with him. You know what I mean? But it's, it's saying that he was the king. And Jesus stated such to Pilate. So they're like, okay, if you're the king, then let's play this kind of prank joke on you. Mm -hmm. And they placed the crown of thorns on his head. Mm -hmm. um, and then let's, let's take a look at the spikes. You know, I was in um, Westchester. I don't know. It must have been 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. There was a metal worker in Westchester on, on uh, Market Street on the far end of it. And I went to him and I said, listen, I want a pair of spikes that looked authentic, that looked real. And he said, okay. And, and he went into the history books and really did a lot of study on what they looked like and why. And he banged these out for me and I've kept them ever since because they're just such a great reminder of an actual spike and what that would have looked like and what that would have felt like. And, and it's just, it makes it real. Mm -hmm. It absolutely makes it real because we look at these and say, this was the moment that they put him on the cross. And this whole idea of the, of the spikes represents the cross, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and it was even predicted then actually in the verse that you read, hmm. You know, in Isaiah 53, it says he was pierced right. for our transgressions. But go ahead. There's others. Yeah. So out of Psalm 22, um, I'm going to read one and then 16 through 18. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why are you so far away when I groan for help? My enemies surround me like a pack of dogs. An evil gang closes in on me. They have pierced my hands and feet. I can count all my bones. My enemies stare at me and gloat. They divide my garments among them, themselves and throw dice for my clothing. It's so striking when you read this. And I think back on the psalmist as he wrote this. It was written around 1044 BC. Yeah. And I think as he wrote it, he probably thought, what am I writing <laughs> here? So why, why these words, Lord? You know, the Lord is speaking through him and it's coming out of his pen, what the Lord wants him to say. Yeah. Written in 1044 BC and Roman crucifixion, the first record in the history books is of Roman crucifixion is in 519 BC. Yeah. So 500 years before, yeah. before crucifixion had even been invented, yeah, that's the right. psalmist writes this out as a prophecy and it will then years later unfold in Jesus's life. That's right. And, and there are many places we could go to, but I just picked a couple that talked about the crucifixion in, in again, Matthew 27, when they had crucified him, then they divided up his clothes by casting lots. But it says when they had crucified him, and in a couple verses later, two rebels were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. And it is that crucifixion that, um, that we always remember became the symbol for all of Christianity. You know, the whole word cross became a new term 
you know, even for those in the Latin language and everything, excruciating. When you say you have excruciating pain, it is the pain that comes out of ex, cruis, cross, crucible. That comes from the word cross. And it was such a painful death. It was death by asphyxiation. And we know that it is Jesus that kind of, you know, put this whole way of execution on the map. And it became the symbol for us because the, the actual freedom we get from our sins, the actual wholeness and healing we get is because Jesus went to the cross, mm-hmm. you know, and which, which kind of brings us to the last thing, and that is the vinegar. Um, and I would like you to read. Okay. So this prophecy comes out of um, Psalm 69, 21. But instead, they give me poison for food. They offer me sour wine for my thirst. Hmm. This sour wine, this vinegar that's offered to Jesus on the cross. Yeah. And, and it says in John chapter 19, verse 28, starting at verse 28, later, knowing that everything had now been finished and so that scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there. So they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant and lifted it to Jesus' lips. Um, that is a minute detail mm-hmm. that was spoken of in the Old Testament that was fulfilled in the New Testament in the person of Jesus through this whole crucifixion uh, experience. And right after that, in verse 30, it says this, when he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. Mm-hmm. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. I was thinking about this, you know, the first miracle that Jesus performed when yeah. he came on the public scene, the first miracle was turning water to wine yeah, that's right. at a wedding, at a celebration. And he does this turning water to wine and the guests at the wedding say, you saved the best wine for last. Here's this mm. best wine. When Jesus made this wine, it was the best wine. Here on the cross, it sort of bookends the story. He yeah, began sure his ministry with making that water into wine. Mm-hmm. Here he is saying, it is finished, drinking a sour wine yeah. at a time of crucifixion, yeah. celebration and a best wine, a celebratory wine, a sweet wine. Here at the crucifixion, a sour wine, the sourness, the bitterness of what he was tasting. Absolutely. And that actual, this actually becomes, you know, the symbol of it's, it's over. Mm -hmm. It's done. The disciples saw him, you know, die on the cross. Everybody that was witnessing saw his death, saw the blood, saw the pain, saw him or, or actually heard him say and see him say, you know, it is finished. He actually said in other, you know, if you go into Matthew, it'll say, you know, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then it goes through a a few things and then it says it is finished. Mm -hmm. And his death was real. Mm -hmm. He really died. He had to die. It's what was predicted is what we needed Mm -hmm. for the payment, for the atonement for our sins. And that was offered to everybody, Mm -hmm. which brings us to. A passage of scripture that is probably one of the most famous passages of scripture in all the Bible. And it's John 3.16. Because we can't get away from all of this without actually saying, this is why Jesus went through all of this. Mm -hmm. Do you have that? Yes. John 3.16. For this is how God loved the world. He gave 
his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have yeah. eternal life. And so, all of this, all of this stems from God's love for you. Mm-hmm. That he would send his son, knowing full well that this is what he was going to go through. This is what he was going to endure. But Jesus, it was even said of Jesus that the joy was set before him of getting to the cross. That there was a joy in that because of the love that Jesus has for all of you. Ah, that's, that's, that's pretty amazing. And it even uses inclusive language in that. Mm-hmm. Like, this is for everybody. Yeah. Right. You know, all along, all throughout the story, it's always been for all of us yeah. because we all share the same need. Our sin has separated us from a holy God. We cannot do enough to overcome that and be made acceptable before God. So the only way to have a relationship with Him is for someone to substitute for us. So this holy, perfect sacrifice of Jesus did something we couldn't do for ourselves. And He paid the penalty of our sin. Yeah. This righteous man for the unrighteous, for us. And so we just reach out and receive that and say, yes, yeah. Lord, I see what you're saying here. I see what you've done. Will you personalize that and let that be for me? You can take this relationship with God and, and, and grab hold of it by faith and accept it for yourself just by accepting the truth of it, but really believing it and confessing with your mouth. It's just like, Jesus, you are real. You, you died on the cross. You rose again from the dead and I need a savior. And you predicted all this long before it ever happened. And then it happened. And I need you. Listen, if there's anybody out there who needs to begin a relationship with Jesus today, maybe today is the day you do it. Maybe you're looking at this and watching this and you're saying to yourself, you know, I don't know that I've ever done this. Um, I'm, I'm interested. How do I actually know? Well, you know because it's written in here. You know because history has proven itself that, that Jesus has really did what he said he was going to do. He did, did what the prophets long ago said he was going to do. And now he's offering it to everybody because of his immense love for you. It says he so loved the world. You're part of the world. And so we're just saying, man, if this is, if this is the day that you want to begin a relationship with Jesus, all you have to do is you say, God, I want to begin this brand new today. I want to start over. I'm going to accept your forgiveness. You, you suffered and died on the cross, and on the third day you rose again. I believe this, and I want to begin a new relationship with you. I'm going to make you my forgiver and my leader, and let's get this started today. And that's really what it takes. Yeah. That's in the heart, you know. And for the rest of you who already are walking with Jesus, that's awesome. This just becomes another yearly celebration, a yearly reminder, um, very pointed, you know, at, at what Jesus actually did for you. And so that you can live this life that you lived with the confidence to know that God is with you and God has a place for you now and in the eternity. And it gives us a lot to give praise mm-hmm. about, you know. Right. You want to close us? Yeah. Lord, we are just amazed when we marvel at the way the story has unfolded here, the way that you gave these signposts throughout history, so that when Jesus accomplished it, we would be so clear that he was the Messiah, that he is the solution for our problem. So, Lord, we thank you for that. 
we reach out and we accept it for ourselves because we cannot do this on our own. And we praise and thank you for what you did on Good Friday, the worst day in human history. You made it the best day for us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you for this sacrifice. And Lord, we also just want to always remember those words. For God so loved the world. Lord, thank you for loving us. Thank you for, for making your son available for this sacrifice and, and so that this offer is made to everyone and this changes everything. So thank you for so loving the world. In the name of Jesus, amen.